6, verse 19 and 20. I love him. I love him because he first loved me. He purchased my salvation. Y'all ever just sing love songs to the Lord? You ever just talk to him, tell him how much you love him? I mean, you don't even have to be a vocalist. I mean, you don't have to be vocally, you know. You can, you can just, just sing to him. Just want you to know I love you. You want to reconnect with God? Sing to him. Just let him know how much you love him. Let him know that he's your everything. You can't do without him. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Make up your own love song. All right. Acts 26. Verse 19 or 20, you have that? Okay, let's read together. Ready? Read. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. All right. So this is Apostle Paul talking. By now, we're calling him Paul. When we first see him, he's, we call him Saul. And just for all the theologians, his name did not change to Paul. So throw that out of your mind. People have been taught that. He changed his name to Paul. His name was not changed to Paul. His name was still Saul. Saul is Hebrew. Paul is Greek. So he was sent to, to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, so they called him Paul. Got it? Yes. So if I say Saul or I say Paul, I'm talking about the same guy. So y'all forgive me if I go back and forth, all right? So this is Saul, or as by now you're calling him in Greek, Paul, before King Agrippa, he's being tried, and he said to him, he had just recounted his testimony about how he got converted, and he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first. So the vision was about how he was going to declare something. So that said I was not disobedient to it and I declared it. I went and did what I was told to do. Today I want to talk on the subject following up from last Sunday. I want to talk on this subject, how to manifest a heavenly vision. How to manifest a heavenly vision. Father, we thank you and praise you. Give you honor and glory for the opportunity we have now to spend this time in the word. We want you to know, God, that we love you. More than anything or anybody, you are 
of utmost importance to us. And God, today we come and we want to hear your word. We want to hear your voice, hear you speak. Speak now, Lord, from heaven. Give us what we need in this time, this year of vision manifestation, so that, Father, that we'll leave nothing undone, so that, God, your purpose and plan can be accomplished in the earth. In our generation, we pray. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. 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 All right, take your seats. <clears throat> All right. So how to manifest a heavenly vision. Now, this is 2020, the year of vision manifestation, right? Yes. And so I told you how this is a now season. God told me in 2018 that this is uh, his time. That everything we had heard, every vision we'd seen, prophetic word we'd heard was for a now season. And everything we'd hear from now on is for a now season, right? And so it's God's time for him to bring to pass uh, his purpose, his will, his counsel, his plan, his vision. God has a vision. God says in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, in the NIV, I know the plans I have for you. So God has plans. He wants to bring his counsel to pass in the earth. Amen? In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, in the uh, Passion Translation, I ask to put it on the screen for us, please, in the Passion Translation. Ephesians 1, verse 11. I want you to see this, please. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Are you all excited about being in God's timing? Yes. Being in God's will? Yes. All right. It says, through our union with Christ, we too have been claimed by God as his own inheritance. Before we were even born, he gave us our what? So before you were born, he gave you a destiny. So God already has a predetermined place and a plan for your life. All right? That we would fulfill the plan of God. So our destiny he gave that we will fulfill the plan of God. So my destiny is to fulfill the plan of God. That's important. Because people are going around trying to figure out their destiny. What am I destined for? And they're, they're not even searching within the realm of the plan of God. Did y'all catch that? They're searching everywhere. They're searching through, you know, I'm going to go to college and figure out the plan. <laughs> That's a waste of money. That's a waste of a, a lot of money to go there trying to figure out the plan. Well, I'm going to go and travel to, to Tibet. I'm going to hike up the rough side of a mountain somewhere. I'm going to figure out what my purpose and what my destiny is. I'm going to, they're going to do yoga. They're going to sit with a, some Buddhist or whatever. They're going to do whatever, trying to figure out their destiny. And yet the Bible says before we were born, he gave us our destiny. Watch, that we will fulfill the plan of God. So if I want to find my destiny, figure out and, and operate in, fulfill my destiny, i got to be looking within God's plan. i got to find out what God has planned for my life. Who always accomplishes what? Every purpose and plan in his heart. All right? Now let's keep going here. I want you to go to Isaiah 46 verse 10 in the New King James Version, please. Isaiah 46 verse 10. Because God has a plan, he has a purpose, he has a destiny. God has a plan for my life, fits into his plan for the, for the universe. He has a destiny for my life. He has a purpose for my life. I'm here on purpose. I'm here intentionally. I'm not here by accident. I didn't sneak in. I didn't surprise God by being here. God meant for me to be here. Y'all listening? Okay, so I'm, I'm following his plan. I'm looking for what God wants me to do in this earth realm. Hallelujah. 
I want my life to have meaning. I want my life to mean something. I want to live and die and not have made a significant impact on this universe, not because of something I've done, you know, for, for, for somebody, but something I've done for God. Now, what I do for God may involve me doing things for somebody's. In fact, it probably will. I'm pretty sure it will. But it's, it, it's got to be for the sake of serving God. You know, there are people who they do all kind of charitable work, but it's to get their name on a plate. It's to get some kind of deduction. It's to get some, some sort of, sort of uh, 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 attention for themselves. Or even people do charitable, charitable work just to make themselves feel good. There are people who do, who do uh, charitable work for soul cleansing. I just want to feel good. I want to I feel better about myself. And that's not the proper motivation for doing charitable deeds. That's all selfish. That's all, that's all selfish. My motivation must be I'm serving God. Oh, boy. One of, one of those Sundays. All right. Isaiah 4 16, are you there? I want you to see what it says here. De this is God talking, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do what? Oh, my pleasure. So God declares the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, from the beginning of times, things that are not yet done. Got it? Now, I want you to see how God operates here. He declares the end from the very beginning. So when God is speaking, he's speaking the end from the very jump. He's not speaking the beginning. He's speaking the end. Okay? Now, why don't you put up on the screen for me, please, uh, Romans 4.17. Romans 4.17. Hallelujah. Let's catch this here. Romans 4.17. Are you there? As it is written, I've made you, this is God talking about, about uh, Abraham. As, uh, I've made you a father of many nations. I have made you a father of many nations. I have made you. Now, when he says this to Abraham back in Genesis, Abraham doesn't have any children at all. But God says, remember we just read the, the end from the beginning, right? So he says, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God, watch this, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. He calls them as though they did. He speaks of them as though they were already existed. So whenever God's talking, God is talking um, futuristic now. God's always in the now. That's heaven's time zone. It's now. So God's always speaking future. God is, God is fluent in, in, in past, present, and future. God can speak about your past, speak about your present, and speak about your future all at the same time. God sees all of time at the same time. You understand that? God's not, he's not trapped in time. God created time. Time is for us. Time is used for us as markers. This is important here. 
Because God is not in that time, but time is for us. We're in that time. So when God speaks, he's always speaking future. Even in your now, he's speaking future. Back before in your past, he was speaking your future. Are y'all with me on this here? All right. So we want to get into this, uh, get in sync with God by hearing future. Understanding that what he says to us, he is already, he's already done when he said it. Y'all, I don't know if y'all caught it. When he's, he's already done when he said it. I remember um, uh, the late Dr. Miles Monroe. Something he said years ago, just, just man, that's, just stuck with me. He said, God didn't start when start got started. God started start. Then he said, God didn't begin when the beginning began. God began the beginning. So God, before time ever came, he was already there. And God spoke something in the future. So you and I, as we walk through our lives, we are walking into what he's already spoken. We are walking into what he's already seen. We are walking into what he's already declared from the beginning. So the, the issue is for you and me is that we can never get stuck in today. Whether it's a defeat or a victory. Y'all better hear me. If you get stuck in today, you will be out of sync with God. I don't care if you experience the worst defeat in your life. That defeat was just for today. That does not define your tomorrow. God has already spoken your bright future for tomorrow. He's already declared the end from the beginning. Even if you had a great victory, praise God, I overcame. Praise God, I got a manifestation. That's great. God said, wonderful, 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 praise me. But I'm already moving on to tomorrow. He's already always moving towards the future. You got it? So you cannot get stuck. You cannot get stuck. All right? So God has to show us something. Get Jeremiah 33, 3 on the screen, please. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Y'all know God's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, right? So he's always pointing us to the future to keep us current with him. Did you hear what I said? He's always pointing you. Even, even in your now, he's pointing to your future to keep you current. Did you hear what I said? He's, even in your now, he's pointing to your future to keep you current. <laughs> he not, he's not telling you where you are. You already know where you are. He's trying to tell you where you're going, where this thing is headed. You got it? So Jeremiah 33, verse 3, the Bible says, God, this is God talking again. Call to me and I will do what? Answer you. Then he said, and show he didn't say, I will answer you and tell you. He said, I will answer you and show. Show is visual. We're talking about this is the year of vision manifestation. We're talking about how to manifest a heavenly vision. So he said, call to me, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you, underline you. He says, I'm going to show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Did you catch that? So he's not saying I'm going to show you something that I don't know. 
He said, I'm going to show you something that you don't know. I know it. That's why I'm going to show it to you. Y'all missing it. Y'all missing this. I already know your tomorrow. I already know the future I have prescribed for you. Now it's up to you to walk with me, follow me, and I'll get you to what you do not know. I'll get you to what, I have, what I'm trying to show you, but you got you to gotta spend time. That's why fasting is important, to let me show you something that you do not know. You got you to gotta fast. Oh, thank you, Lord. One reason to fast, or one benefit, rather, I want to say, of fasting is to unhook from yesterday. It's to unhitch the wagon, Lord, you're carrying from yesterday. Some of y'all got some junk in the trunk. You got to unhitch. You got to unload that wagon you're carrying. All your hurts, all your pain, all your sorrow, all your disappointment, all your confusion, all the strife, all the bitterness, all the grief, all the, all of the hang-ups you got with somebody, all the mess up. You got to unhook all that because you, you, can't, you can't flow with God still carrying yesterday's baggage. Are you hearing me today? You can't, you can't flow into the great things God is showing you and that he wants to do in your life when you still are carrying all of, well, but, but I tried that one time before and my mama said and, and my grandma, and I, you, you can't, you got to let that stuff go. And even your victories. Ooh, I remember one time God used me. Ooh, one time I laid hands on somebody and they got healed. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. But he's going to show you something great and mighty that you do not know. You already know that. Who thank you, Lord? How many of y'all know he's a healer? So he's not going to show you that. Oh, Jesus. You already know that. He's not going to show you great and mighty things you don't know. I'm going to show you... Uh, um, I'm going to show you miracles that you've never thought of. You know God can open blind eyes, but have you ever seen him put eyeballs where there were no eyeballs? You know God is a heart fix and a mind regulator, but, but have you ever seen him repair somebody who's had a, a lobotomy? He's going to put a brain back in their head. Oh, I don't know about that. That's right. He said you don't know. He said you don't know. You've seen God, you've already seen God pay your bills when you ain't have money for your rent, but have you seen God give you the whole apartment complex? No, I ain't never seen that. That's right, he's going to show you something you ain't never, you don't know. I'm going to show you great amount of things which you do not know. You, but I know them. And I'm going to show them to you the things that I have declared from the beginning, from ancient times, things that have not yet been done. What? God said there's some things that have not yet been done. There's some things, that was Isaiah 4 to 6, 10, things that are not yet done. That means to me, this is my, 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 my Holy Ghost exploration mind here, that when Jesus said greater things than these, Shall you do 
because I go to the Father. He meant there are some things, and all the great things he did, there are still some things that are not yet done. Well, y'all better get over your Sunday school religion there. There are some things that are not yet done that, that Jesus Christ himself didn't even do when he was here. Because he said, you're going to do greater things because I go to the Father. So God has to show us these great and mighty things that we don't know so we can stay in, in lockstep with him. You got it? All right, now, everybody with me? Now, let's keep going here. So he said, I'm going to show you something. In other words, this is a vision. He wants to give you a vision. He wants to give you a clear picture and a preview of his plan for your life. I told you this last week, a vision stamps God's will on your spirit. A vision stamps God's will on your spirit. In other words, you can hear God say things, you can hear things in church, but when you get a vision, a visual, it'll stamp it on your spirit, something you can't deny, you can't, I can't, can't forget that. It makes what we call an indelible impression on you. You got it? Now, I gave you this last week, I'll give it to you again. Heavenly vision comes from God, has prophetic implications, and gives me direction, protection, and discretion. If you were here last week, you heard me talk about that. It comes from God, has prophetic implications, and gives me direction, protection, and discretion. All right? Now, what did I teach you last week? I taught you on two keys to receiving a heavenly vision. Y'all remember that? Two questions, right? Number one, who are you, Lord? Number one key to receiving heavenly vision. What we read in, in, in Acts 26, 19, when Paul said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, he's referring back to Acts 9 when the Lord gives him a vision. And two things uh, that I want you to, 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 to copy, to emulate, is the two questions that he asked here. Number one, who are you, Lord? It's getting a revelation through, re through relationship. That's why this fast is so important. It's spending time being closer to God, blocking everything else out, Chris, so I can hear God. I want to hear God's voice. I want to hear what God has to say to me. I, want, I, want to, I, I, need, I need, to, need to know him. In fact, that's what Paul said in Philippians 3.10. Paul said that I might know him, the power of his resurrection. Do y'all know there are Christians who don't know him? Matter of fact, there are some Christians that he doesn't know. Isn't that what Jesus said? There are people come and stand before him on that day. He said, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. So there are people in church doing the work of the kingdom. And he says, I don't know you. Matter of fact, his words were, I never knew you. So it's possible to spend your whole existence in church. And the Lord doesn't know you. Singing in the choir, he don't know you. Deaconing, is that a word? You can't say deaconing. We made it a word. Deaconing. Pastoring. Oh, trust me. Pastoring. And the Lord has no clue who they are. I never knew you. 
I never knew you. So if it's possible for him to have not known you, it's definitely possible for you to not really know him. Because, I mean, he knows everything. And he says, I don't know you? To know him and be known by him. To know him and be known by him. Rather, much rather, be known of him. So I want to know him. So who are you, Lord? Talk to me. Show me. Give me a revelation of who you are. I want to know you better. I know, I know what I've heard in Sunday school, but I want to know who you are myself. I, I know what other folk have told me, but I want to know you for myself. Glory to God. Then number two question was what? Lord, what do you want me to do? So that's a key to receiving a heavenly vision is what do you want me to do? In other words, I'm going to now getting a purpose through or assignment. I'm getting purpose or assignment. Go back to Acts 26, verse 16. Throw it on the screen for me, please. Acts 26, verse 16. Glory to God. Look at what Paul says when he's recounting the vision now. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. Now he's got purpose here. To make you a minister... And a witness both of the things which you have seen of the things which I will yet reveal to you. So the Lord's already telling him there are things that you've seen. There are some things I'm going, as you keep going, I'm going to keep revealing to you. Right? So now Paul has some direction. He has some discretion. He has some protection. He has some, uh, uh, he has meaning for his life now because the Lord is showing him what to do. So I've got to find out from God, Lord, what do you want me to do? I told you last week, and I, I, I tried to draw this point home as much as I could, was that so many times the, as Christians, we, we're sitting there asking God or telling God what we want him to do for us. And I understand. I understand when people get, first get born again, you come and, God, I need you. I need some help. In fact, you look through the scriptures, you don't find many people who came to, to the Lord from the jump wanting him to give them an assignment. Most of them came... I, need, I have a need. You know, help my daughter. She's vexed with the devil. Right? So I understand when you first get saved, you may come to him because I need deliverance. I need uh, to be free from whatever. I need, I, need a, I need to be happy. Or I need my financial life to turn around. But once you get to know him, who are you, Lord? Now I want to know, Luanda, what do you want me to do? What's my purpose? What's my assignment? Are y'all catching me on this? Go to, give me Luke chapter 4, please, verse 40 through 43, and then we'll move on here. Because you got you to get some purpose to your life. You need God, Elder Baker, to define your life. Because a life without definition is a life without boundaries. Without a vision, of people cast off restraint. So if you don't have a vision for your life, you'll cast off restraint. You'll be doing, you'll be doing this this week and over here next week. And, you know, I'm going to start a new career over here tomorrow. And then I'm going to start a new city. I'm going to start a new marriage. I'm going to start a new this. I'm going to do that. I mean, you just be doing everything. Life just, be, you'll be everywhere. I mean, and if you start over that many times, you know you've made no progress, right? Personally, I'm a, I'm a very young man. 
but I'm still too old to keep starting over. I'm too old to be experimenting. I'm only 48, but 48 is too old to be experimenting. If you're 40, you're too old to be experimenting. If you're 32, Really, if you're already at your mother and father's house, you're too old to be experimenting. You need to know. Because you can't pay rent by experiment. <laughs> you can't feed yourself off experimentation here. And the good thing is, you and I don't have to experiment. Amen. 1 John 2 and verse 20 the Bible says we have an unction from the Holy One and we know all things. So you and I aren't supposed to be experimenting. We're supposed to be getting an unction. Come on. Lord, what do you want me to do? Okay, here's an unction. An unction is, is like, I'm putting a common word, an impulse. It's, it's a leading. Romans 8, 14, those that are led by the Spirit of God, we are the sons of God. So you and I can't be soul-driven. Shut up, Pastor. You can't be flesh driven. We've got to be spirit led. That means letting the Holy Ghost tell us what to do and not, not experimenting anymore. Anybody else in the same boat with me? I'm too old to be doing that. I mean, That's what that's what all this dating is, experimenting. You ain't got time to be all that experimenting. Experiment with this, experiment with that, experiment with this, experiment with that. You ain't got time for that. You better find out, Lord, is it, is it you or should I look for another? Is it, right? I, no, I need an unction. Say it, I need an unction. Say it again, I need an unction. I need the Holy Ghost to tell me what to do. He knows everything. Tell me, Lord. Do I go here? Do I go there? Do I do this? Do I do that? Do I buy this? Do I buy that? I need an unction, man. Because without an unction, you're going to malfunction and be dysfunctional. Right? What scripture did I tell y'all to go to? Luke 4. All right. Now let me hurry up here. Luke 4. Tell your neighbor you need an unction. <laughs> you know, you experiment. When you experiment, there's failures. I'm trying to be failing. They do experiments in the, in the chemistry lab. Explosions happen. Test this out. Test with this. Test this out with that. You don't get me testing stuff. I need to know. All right. So let's stay on it here. Let's stay on it. So, Lord, what do you want me to do? So I get a purpose. I get a clear direction for my life, right? Now, watch this. In Luke 4 and verse 40, hallelujah, 
It says, when the sun was setting, glory to God, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. This him, guess who it is? Jesus, right, very good class. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Now, I can tell you from experience, he's getting a kick out of this. Jesus is, when, when you're being used by God in especially areas like this, you, you, are, you are high. Y'all know what I mean when I say high? Any of y'all ever did drugs, you know what I mean when I say, you, you are high. The dopamine is like, pew. When, I'm serious, when you're used, any of y'all been used by God? Healing, deliverance, whatever. Says that every, he healed it and healed them. So this is good. This is part of his, of his overall assignment, right? Verse 41. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the son of God. And he rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Verse 42. Now watch this. Now he's in a good place doing a good thing. What I say? Now watch. 42. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. He's going to pray. And the crowd sought him and came to him. Now watch this, Miss Hattie. And tried to keep him from leaving them. Oh, this is good. We got something good going here. Jesus healing everybody. Preaching, he probably probably getting a couple of fish and loaves or whatever. You know, he's do, just doing everything, right? But watch his response. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. Because for this purpose, I have been sent. Now, that meant Jesus Christ had to unhitch. From his victory wagon. He's got victory after victory. Healing, casting out devils, doing all kinds of things. He's got all this stuff. He, he can just say, you know, I'm, I'm going to park my camp right here. I'm enjoying this. This is good. Somebody better hear me right now. I'm enjoying This is good. I'm in a good place. I'm doing good things. Good things are happening. And people came. Stay here. And if you're not careful, people will trap you in a good place doing good things, but not the right place. So you have to make sure that you unhitch by purpose. Don't just unhitch because pastors say, oh, I time to unhitch. Let me do it. No, listen. I'm talking about you be led by the Spirit of God. Jesus knew his purpose. He knew, he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also. I'm not going to let y'all sit here and hog all this. I got to go other places too. He said, because for this purpose I've been sent. I wasn't sent to one place. I'm, I'm bigger than one place. I got to spread this thing everywhere. Now, if he was not fine-tuned with his purpose, he would have gotten caught up. His ego would have been boosted. Jesus. Did you know he was a man like us? Like passions. Tempted just like we were. So you imagine people probably said, hey man, we ought to build you a little synagogue, man. We can, we can have the most happening church in this, in this piece. 
Somebody said, I'll get you a choir going. I'll be your usher department. I'll get you. We'll be the nurses guild. We can, we can get some little uniforms. So he could have gotten stuck. But his vision, his purpose said, I must leave here. Now, that means he never came back. But I can't, I can't be locked here even in my victories. Did y'all hear what I said? Even in my victories. All right. Everybody with me so far? Okay. Now let's do this. How do I manifest a heavenly vision? How do I manifest a heavenly vision? In other words, what does it take to materialize what I have visualized? What God has shown me what does it take for me to manifest that? I'm going to give you four things here if I have time. I'm, I want to give you at least these two. At least two. Okay? Number one. Number one is sort of a review from last week, but it was important enough to the Holy Ghost to bring it back up today. Number one is discernment. Takes discernment. I must distinguish between natural dreams or ideas born of the soul and heavenly visions born of the spirit. If you don't get all that, if you're on the church group me, that'll come out to you later this afternoon. I must distinguish between natural dreams or ideas which are born of the soul. How many of y'all have a soul? Everybody, good. Good answer, class. I have a soul. In fact, the Bible says we are, we are spirits. We have souls. We live in bodies. So everybody has a soul. In your soul is where your mind, your will, and your emotions are. Your mind, your will, your mind, your thinker, your will, your chooser, and your emotions, your feeler. So you're going to feel things. You're going to choose things. You're going to think things all in your mind. That's, that's part of your soul. Y'all with me? But be, along with that is something called your imagination. Everybody has an imagination. In fact, it was very active when you were a child. Some of you are still very, very active. Am I right about it? Your imagination, boy, if you let your imagination run wild, you'll... Have, have, you, have you imagined, ever imagined somebody doing you wrong? And you, you played a picture all the way out. I'm going to mess with y'all. Back when you were dating, not, not married folk, I'm not talking about married folk. Back when you were dating, when you, you called your girlfriend's house and she didn't answer the phone, what would your imagination do? Okay, I'm going to switch it. You called your boyfriend's house and he didn't answer the phone, what did your imagination do? Everywhere. You have pictures of where they are, who they with, what they're wearing, what kind of cologne they have on. Get home from work five minutes too late. Where you been? So, so I'm, just, I'm just proving a point that as adults, we still have these imaginations. Okay? You got to just keep that. You got to. Cast down imaginations. 
You got to guard, the Bible says, these, these imaginations, okay? So I want to make sure you understand here, praise God, that you have to distinguish, you have to do this yourself between what are natural dreams or ideas that are born of the soul and heavenly visions which are born of the spirit, okay? Because not everything I, that I imagine is a heavenly vision. Throw that scripture back on the screen, please. Please place it again. I, uh, Ecclesiastes 5.3. I gave you that last Sunday. Ecclesiastes 5.3. Put it on the screen once again for us, please. It says, for a dream comes through much activity. So you can have dreams. We do have them all night. I had dreams. I was on the plane yesterday, and I, I was asleep before the plane got off the ground, and I didn't wake up to the, just about the plane hit the ground, and I can't tell you how many dreams I had. The guy sat next to us. I don't know why the guy sat next to us, but he, yeah, we, Plane wasn't even full, and the guy just gonna plop his. I'm like, I'm like, man, empty seats all around us. He want to sit right next to us, and I, I want, I want, I want. I'm not gonna say that part. I was gonna say. Well, I was on the on the. We had the what you call that the exit row with all the leg room. Man, I'm like, oh, all these seats. I almost made, made my wife move. I did. I told her you should get up and go and get on the seat. If he ain't gonna move, you move. <laughs> she didn't go anywhere though. She didn't go anywhere. But I, what my, my I was on, on saying is, I dreamt a whole lot. I dreamt a whole lot. So you and I can have dreams, but those dreams are not necessarily God showing us anything. You got it? Now, even your imagination, how many of y'all, I don't, I'm not going to read it, but in your own time, you can read Genesis chapter 11. A story about the people of the earth are all of one language, right? They gather in a place called Shinar, S-H-I-N-A-R, and they decided we're going to build a tower whose top is going to touch the heavens. Now they imagine, and, and the Bible says God came down himself and said, to look and see what they were doing, he said, now nothing that they imagine will be withheld from them, the King James. New King James says anything that they propose. So they had made their own proposal. King James used the word their imagination. They had imagined something. So notice here, they imagined something, but it wasn't from God. God said, let me come down and stop it. Right. They're trying to build, in fact, that was their whole mode. You read Genesis 11 from the, from the very verse 1. They wanted to be all in one place. God wanted man to cover the earth. They're going to build up and, and allow this word, don't get mad. The fool's idea was to build a, a skyscraper to touch the heavens. What those fools didn't know was if they had climbed that thing, they would have dropped dead. Something you imagine will kill you if God doesn't stop you. Thank God for having stopped me many times when I was doing what I had imagined to do. Anybody else like that? I thank God for having stopped some of my ideas that I had that I thought this is God and it wasn't God. It was just good. At least I thought it was good. Thank God for stopping me. Thank God for stopping me. Because what I was about to get into, what I was about to do, would have killed me. 
not everything is from God. Proverbs 19.21 in the uh, Passion Translation, please. Passion Translation. Proverbs 19.21, the Passion Translation. Glory to God. I want you to see what this says here. A person may have many ideas concerning God's plan for his life, but only the designs of his purpose will succeed in the end. Oh, that's big. You can have many ideas concerning God's plan for your life. But only the designs of his purpose, what God has purposed for you, will succeed. So just because you have an idea, I know y'all have good ideas. I've heard some of y'all's ideas. But just because you have an idea doesn't mean God's going to back it. Doesn't mean it's from God. Good ideas are not necessarily God ideas. You got it? You know, you can, you can imagine all kind of things. If you did everything that, that you had an idea about, you'd go crazy. And many things we think is God, and it's not God, it's just you. You saw something, you took note of it, you liked it, you thought that was great, and said, one day I want to do that, or one day I want to be that, or one day I want to have that. That's, that doesn't mean it's for you to do it or have it. You'll go crazy trying to do everything that you ever saw. Y'all, y'all, boy, y'all struggling on this part here. I mean, y'all have seen a lot of stuff. Man, I saw, I used to see these big old yachts, man. I see them big old yachts. I'm like, one day I'm going to have a yacht. I'm going to have a yacht. Now, can God give me a yacht? Yes. But you know what I figured out at 48? I don't want one. I don't even want a boat. I figured out, you know what, it's just better me just rent one when I want to use one. I ain't got time to be on no boat. But what, what would happen if I pursued that? What would I, what would I be giving up to pursue that? That's not even God's plan for me. So just because you have a good idea, a big idea, wow, look, I want to do that, doesn't mean you're supposed to pursue that. Don't waste your faith muscle on that. Okay, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me show you something. Many of the things God uh, allows you to see is just to enlarge your vision, but not for you to go after. For example, Pascal mentioned uh, Genesis 15 uh, about Abraham. When God dealt with Abraham in Genesis 15, verse 1, the Lord said to him in a vision, right? I'm your exceeding great reward, so forth. So, so he says to him, um, uh, uh, Abraham responds, Lord, uh, what should you give me seeing I go childless? God, I don't, I, don't, I don't have a child. God's trying to get Abram to see nations come out of him, right? And he's talking about this one child. I, I don't have a child. And God's trying to get him to see nations. God wants Abram to see big. Big. And he keeps talking about, I don't have this one child. So God says, come out of your tent. Let me show you something. And he says, look up at the stars and count them if you can. Now, 
Abraham, of Abraham said, wow, I think God wants me to be an astronomer. <laughs> you know what? I think I'm supposed to be a rocket scientist. I'm supposed to be a wise man. That's what wise men did. Wise men studied the stars. I'm supposed to be a wise man. That's, that wasn't part of God's vision for it. He was just using the stars to enlarge his vision so he could then be able to see, okay, here's the thing I want you to do here. So God many times will show you something grand, I mean bigger than you can even fathom, and don't, that don't mean you're supposed to now write this in your little dream book and I'm supposed to do this and have this. I still need to go and ask God, what do you want me to do? Because now, okay, I can see bigger, and now I can handle bigger. Now I can then uh, use my faith to go after what God is showing me. Y'all got it? Yes, sir. All right. So I've got to have some discernment. You've got to have some discernment. All right? Because everything that you see is not for you. Tell your neighbor, everything you desire is not for you to do. You remember King David? Nobody? King David killed Goliath, became king. Do you know David desired to build God a temple? Had it in his heart to build God a temple, to build God a house. And God said, it's not for you. Not you. Now, was it a good idea to build God a house? Yes. God wanted a house. But he said, it's not you. So just because you see it, y'all better help me, catch me on this. Just because you see it, and what happens is, is, oh boy, I don't like how that came, but I'm, I got to say how it came. What happens is we get into foolishness and call it faith, when it's not faith, it's actually foolishness. Because it's coming out of the flesh. Well, but God showed me that. He didn't mean for you to get pregnant with that. You don't get pregnant from every seed. You don't get pregnant. If you got pregnant from every seed. I know that's kind of graphic for some of y'all. Some of y'all blushing. All right. So discernment. Everybody say discernment. Put that on the screen again. Discernment. Discernment. Put up there again. I must distinguish between natural dreams or ideas which are born of my soul and heavenly visions which are born of the spirit. All right. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. The flesh profits nothing. So I don't want to go after what was born in my flesh or in my soul. And definitely let me throw this in since the Holy Ghost just said it. Don't follow your crazy soul stuff when your soul is haywire and you mad at somebody or you want to you show somebody, you know, you, you, it's your bad. You should, you should have left me. So you're going to prove, you, you know, your ex-boyfriend, your ex-girlfriend, your ex-wife, your ex-husband, now you're going to prove yourself. You're prove. You, you're going you gonna to see what you left, what you missed out on. Show you, you, you should have left me. 
And I'm going to show you. I know it happens. I know it happens. Because you're hoping one day to run into them in public so they can, they can see what you've been missing. All that stuff is born out of your soul. Your soul is crazy. You're angry. You're upset. You're bitter. You're jealous. You're whatever it is. It's going to profit nothing. And you'll waste your resources. I'm going to teach on that here pretty soon about your resources, about wasting and not wasting. You'll waste your resources trying to do something that was born out of your soul. It'll profit nothing. So I got to have discernment. Number two. Number two. This is important. This is important, Deke. Patience. Patience. I must resist the urge to manufacture my vision. I must resist the urge to manufacture my vision. This is the year of vision manifestation, not vision manufacturing. Because any vision from God is manifested. It's never manufactured. If you can manufacture it, it's not from God or you robbed God. How many of y'all have ever bought a brand new car? Raise your hand if you've ever bought a, I mean, brand spanking new, off the lot, off the showroom floor. Off the, the rest of y'all, you're going to buy one. The rest of y'all, I said you're going to buy one. How many of y'all believe in God for a brand new car? I want a donkey at least. There ain't no man ever sat his butt on my donkey. Do you know Brand new cars break down? Brand, brand spanking new, they, at some point, because they're made by man, they're manufactured. Thank you, Holy Ghost. <laughs> when, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. When, when God gave the children of Israel the Ark of the Covenant. He gave them a prescribed method of carrying it. It was supposed to be carried, born on the shoulders of the priests. And when the priests would bear that Ark, because God's glory would be upon them, they could handle the weight of the glory of the Ark. But what happened, the children of Israel one time looked and saw because the Philistines had stolen that ark. And they didn't know how to carry it, so they built something called an ox cart. And they carried the ark on an ox cart. And so when it came time for David and his men to get that ark of the covenant back, they copied what they saw from the Philistines. So they took that ark and put it on an ox cart. Man is a manifestation of God's word. The ox cart was manufactured in man's mind. So when they tried to carry the ark of the covenant on the ox cart, it broke down. 
it malfunctioned. Because anything manufactured will malfunction. So you try to manufacture a marriage, manufacture a relationship, manufacture a business, manufacture anything, at some point, baby, it's going to break down. But when you let God manifest it in your life, it's unbreakable. And the key is, y'all sit down. The key is, you have, you must, I must, resist the urge to manufacture my vision. I'm not talking about manufacturing in terms of coming up with it. I'm talking about when you have it. I have the vision. I have the vision now. God has shown me something here. Now I got to resist the urge to manufacture it, to make it happen. Now, you don't have to raise your hand, but I guarantee there's at least two or three of y'all in this church who God has shown you something and you know God showed you something and you all of a sudden get your hands in and want to try to help God out. I know what God said, so now I'm going to now I'm gonna try to help it along. I'm, I'm, what, what you doing? I'm, I'm just getting all my ducks in a row. Just, I'm, just, I'm, just set, I'm, just, I'm just setting things up because I know what God said, so I'm just I'm going to help him out. He said, he said God said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have me a, a, new, a new wife. So I'm going to set things up. Build me a profile. Tony, give me your freshest cut you can give me. Take, take a picture from, from my good side, my good side. Take my photo to Kirkland. Kirkland, can you Photoshop me a little bit? I want to look snatched, right? Then I'm going to get me some little cars. Every time I see a, see a woman, I'm going to pass out my car. It's my walk-in church. Hallelujah! Hey, ladies. <laughs> right? I'm, a, man, I'm, I'm trying to help it. Now, we're laughing, but we all can attest that some point in our lives, when we know something God has said to us, we've tried to kind of... Ooh-wee. I must resist the urge to manufacture my vision. Habakkuk 2, please. Habakkuk 2. I'm, I probably only finish this, this second point here. Habakkuk 2, verse 1. 1 through 4. Habakkuk 2, 1 through 4. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. This is Habakkuk talking. And what I will answer when I am corrected. Verse 2, please. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. We good so far, right? Now watch verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. The vision is yet 
yet. Yet means there's a timing on it. So that means it's not now, it's yet. For an appointed time. Now this is critical here. This is critical. How many of y'all listen to me today? Promises from God, you can use your faith to manifest any time. But a vision from God is always for an appointed time. You can't accelerate a vision. You can't bring a vision to pass any time you want. Visions are appointed time. Why? Because Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I've never been a general contractor, but I've watched him. Asking if you're going to build a house as a general contractor, this, this, is what I, this is why I'm not one and why I would never, never try to orchestrate my own building. It's because I don't know how all this works together. Contractors know that they got to bring the plumber in at a certain time and the, and the electrician in at a certain time. Me, if it was me, I'd call everybody be here Tuesday. You know what I'm saying? Everybody be here Tuesday. Uh, you start, you start. And they'll be all over each other. They'll, plumber, electrician, they'll be just bundled over each other. But a GC, general contractor, knows that there are certain times. Everything has to be in an order. And God is a general contractor of the whole universe. And he knows that every, his vision and things must come in a certain time. Certain time. The, oh, God. The, the, the Bible says Jesus Christ was born in the fullness of time. He had been prophesied way back in Isaiah, way back in Jeremiah, way back in Genesis he had been prophesied, but the Bible says in Galatians he was born in the fullness of time. In other words, God said, time. Out of thousands of years, God said, okay, time. So you never want to try to rush the time. You can't rush a vision. You must be patient. I must, as a matter of fact, I'm going to read it again. I must resist the urge because there's an urge. Chris, when, when you've seen something you know it's God, there's an urge. You're like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm so excited. So excited. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, when you really, when you really have seen something from God. So I must resist the urge. Now, go back to back to, we were in verse three, I think it was, right? Woo-wee. Oh my goodness. This is good to me. For the vision yet for the point of time, but at the end, at the end, it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, huh? Though it tarry, what? Wait for it because it will surely come at the appointed time. It will not tarry. Now, watch it says, don't, wait, go, go back, go back, go back. Though it tarry, wait for it. Then at the end it says it will not tarry. Well, wait a minute. Is it going to tarry or not tarry? What it's saying is, until it's time, it's going to tarry. But when it's time, bam, here it is. That's why God says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, verse 22, God says, I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. In other words, when it's time for that thing to manifest, it's going to be, bam, there it is. So the, 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 the struggle is for you and me is to be patient until it's time. But baby, once it's time. And this has been declared prophetically the year of vision manifestation. So if you've been waiting on something for five years, 
or 10 years or one year for that vision God has shown you, you just keep on waiting and stay patient because this is the year. It might be tomorrow. It might be January 32nd, soon as the fast, 32nd. Get out of here, devil. February 1st, soon as the fast is over, that bam. And this is why you must stay current with God, deep, because see, with God, he's moving. So with God, when it's time of vision manifestation, you can't be like, oh, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, let me, let me get ready. No, 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 no. He's moving then. You got it? So I got I to be moving with him. Now watch. Uh, verse, verse, uh, verse 4. Verse 4. Behold, y'all know this scripture. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him. But the just shall live by his faith. What are you talking about? It's the, 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 the proud is not patient. He's not going to wait. He's going to go try to make it happen himself. And his soul is not upright in him. His soul, his soul is saying, I'm going to do this thing myself. I'm going to help God out. But the just shall live by his faith. I'm going to stand right here until this time. Well, it's been five years. I'm going to keep standing until this time. God said it. That settles it. God said it. That settles it. He said it's coming. When is it coming? I don't know. Is it a point in time? I know one thing, I'm not going to get ahead of God. I know one thing, I'm not going to get ahead of God and start trying to make things happen on my own. James chapter 1, verse 4. Woo-wee. James 1, verse 4. Notice this, while you're waiting, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. So you need this while you're waiting on the manifestation of the vision. Now, wait a minute. Pastor, y'all thought you told me how, this is how to manifest the heavenly vision. You just tell me what to do until. No, patience is working. Yeah, she in the King James is to let patience have her perfect work. It's a woman. That you may be so patience, come on, is working on you so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So that when the time for manifestation arrives, you have now been developed enough to handle it. If we'll be truthful, the vision God has shown us, back when he showed us, our character wasn't able to handle it. We weren't mature enough. Truth be told, we weren't yet mature enough to handle what God was showing us back when he showed us the vision. But if we will be patient, we're giving patience time to work on us so that when time comes, Laquanda, we're ready to handle the manifestation of what God was showing us. So I got to be patient. I got to be patient. Let me, let me hurry. I want to say, say something to you. I'm going to give an example real quick. You don't have to turn to it, but here's an example. 
in Genesis 16, remember Genesis 15, the vision came to Abraham. The vision came to Abraham. In fact, Genesis 12, when God has first spoke to Abraham, he was 75 years old, 75 years old. By the time we get to Genesis 16, though, Sarah gets a big idea. We're going to manufacture this vision. We're going to help God out. Her words were, obviously, God has kept me from bearing child. Now, that's stupid. When he's the one that said she's going to have a child, and then she says, because it's taking too long for her. Come on, watch how you're talking now. Because it's taking too long for her. She says, obviously, God is keeping me from bearing a child. But it wasn't God. It was his idea for her to have the child. So what she does is, Danny, because she's lacking patience, she says, Abe, Abe, I got a good idea. <laughs> What's your idea, girl? I, see that? See Hagar over there? Yeah. I think what you should do is uh, take her and lie with her, and we can have our manifestation through her. And the Bible said, Abraham said, okay. <laughs> now, Abraham, Abraham, God spoke to you directly. You know the vision. You know God already said it's going to happen through your wife, Sarah. So you're supposed to say no, girl. He was in his mind. His mom was telling him no. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Don't, don't walk out, don't walk out, don't walk out. This is, this is not a good idea. This is not a good idea. This is not a good idea. I know what God said. Now, y'all laughing, but this is what happened. He got into the same manufacturing phase mindset as Sarah did. And what happened? The child born was Ishmael. If you know anything about Ishmael, Ishmael became... An adversary. When the vision finally manifested, the manufactured one caused trouble for the manifestation. And to this day, people worried about Iran bombing. You know why Iran is doing all that kind of stuff? Ishmael. This fight between the Iraqis and the, and the Syrians and the, and the, and the, and the Iranians and, the, and whoever you would got in the Arab nation, all the way back to Ishmael, because Abraham and Sarah manufactured 
They didn't let patience work. So to this day, we're dealing with the fruit of their impatience. You don't want that to happen in your life. You don't want when your manifestation finally gets here, Patrick, that here comes what you manufactured. In the meantime, it's causing problems. Oh, Lord, oh, I forgot I got to deal with that. So I got to be patient. Tell your neighbor, I got to be patient. I must resist the urge to manufacture my vision. So I refuse to get ahead of God. Let's look at one last verse here, one last verse. Psalm 37, verse 7. Psalm 37, verse 7. Ha, ha, ha. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. So don't, don't be concerned about those who are manufacturing things and it looks like they're prospering. You're waiting on patiently on the Lord to manifest the vision in your life. Because it says these men, they prosper in their way, they bring wicked schemes. And the devil wants to get you to get a scheme to bring to pass what dream God has given you. Be a dreamer, but don't be a schemer. Schemes come from the enemy. Dreams will come from God. And if you'll be patient, God will help you to manifest that dream, that vision, while they're bringing their schemes to pass. And their schemes will always fail. Because it's all manufactured. So no matter how long it goes, man, look, they're doing good. They're doing good. Well, at some point, it'll fail. But when your manifestation shows up, it will never fail. Amen? Amen. So I must resist the urge to manufacture my vision. Glory to God. When, when David, remember David, King David, again? Anointed to be king. Samuel came, poured the oil. This is the next king. You know, for 10 years, he sat there, one, he started serving Saul, King Saul, and then he was running from King Saul. King Saul's trying to kill him because King Saul knows the vision too. And he's trying to kill him. So it doesn't happen. And David has opportunity after opportunity to kill Saul. If David had theoretically killed Saul, he's the next king. Remember, that's the vision for him. You're the next king. And here it is, opportunity. There's Saul. He walks up on Saul. Saul asleep. David, David can end his life right there. And everybody already knew this man going to be the next king. He could have expedited the process. But it wasn't time. 
and you have to resist that urge. Oh, kill him, kill him. He, David, one time David cut off a little part of, his, of, of Saul's robe, of his skirt, and, and David got on. Oh, and all of a sudden his heart smote him. He's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I got to repent because I touched God, not God's anointed. Do his prophets no harm. So he had to go back and repent. I could have killed you. But I have to wait on. Remember that we just read Psalm 37, verse 7? I wait patient on the Lord. You know who wrote that? This is same David. I wait patiently. So you have to make sure that while you are waiting on God to bring manifestation, you don't get ahead of God. Remember that came out a couple years ago, maybe four or five years ago, I refuse to get ahead of God. I refuse to get ahead of God. Say it, I refuse to get ahead of God. See, because I know at the appointed time, he will manifest in my life that which I'm supposed to have. If I manufacture it, it's going to be an Ishmael in my life. It's going to cause me more hurt and more pain and more trouble than I can really deal with. Abraham ended up having to put Ishmael out the house. You don't want that. Amen? Amen. All right. Can I give you one more? I really want to give you this third point, and then we'll stop there. That's it. How many points I told you I was going to give you? All right, let me, let me tell you the last two. The last two are obedience and urgency. Urgency is, let me just tell you that right now, when it's time, you got to do it. Everything else takes a back seat. That's urgency. That's number four. In other words, deep, when, when it's time, when God says now is the time, everything else is out of here. I, I'm so focused on whatever God said, whatever God's doing, I don't have time for anything else. But I, I want to teach you number three. Number three is obedience. Here it is. When instructions come, I must obey without hesitation. I must obey without hesitation. Acts 26, 19, remember what Paul said from our main scripture today, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So again, he asked the Lord back in Acts chapter 9, verse 6, Lord, what do you want me to do? Okay, now if you ask the Lord what he wants you to do, he's going to tell you. And when he tells you, now the ball's in your court. Now I have a choice to obey or disobey. Now if you want manifestation, you have to obey. So he's going to give me some instructions here, all right? Now, John 2, 5 is a scripture you all know this one very well. John 2, verse 5. This is, this is how you manifest right here. This is how you manifest. You've, you already discern. You're being patient. And along the way, God is going to give you some instruction. Here it is. Whatever his mother said to, to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. That's a principle right there. Whatever he says to you, do it. Y'all got excited about that. Whatever he says to you, do it. Now, if it's a heavenly vision, 
It's coming from a heavenly source. It's out of this world, which means the instructions are from out of this world, which means the instructions may not align themselves with human reason. In other words, God may give you an instruction that might not make any sense in the natural realm. But remember, you're manifesting a heavenly vision, not a, not a human idea. And if it's a heavenly vision, it's going to have a heavenly instruction, and a heavenly instruction is going to require your faith. And so when God tells you to do something, you have to make up in your mind, okay, whatever he says to me, I'm going to do it. If he says tomorrow, okay, get up and go down the street and, and turn around and come back home and get back in the bed, then get up, go down the street, go back home and get in the bed. He don't need your sense. He don't need your reasoning. He don't need your intellect. You ain't that smart anyway. If you were that smart, you could have brought your own vision to pass. Right? That's all of us, right? So I need to know, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then, Lord, when you, t when you, when you tell me what to do, I'm going to obey you. Whatever you send to me, I'm going to do it. So I have to do whatever he says. That's simple, ain't it? Tamara, this is so simple. People are overlooking like this, leading, sending big. This is big. Because what we'll find is most of our lives, we have not done this. What our mode has been, whatever he says unto us, we think about it. And most often think ourselves out of it. That's why I'm not where I should be yet. So if I want to get to where God wants me to be, I need to change my mode, my response. From now on, whatever he says to me, I do it. Help, help me preach this morning. Tell your neighbor, whatever he says to you, do it. It doesn't have to make sense. To your little mind, just do it. Okay, so here it is. Whatever he says, you do it. Okay, go get those six water pots over there and fill them with water. Uh, sir, we have a, a wine issue. We have a wine shortage. We don't want no water. It's a party. Come on now, whoever served water at a party? You don't go to a party and say BYOW. Right about it? There's not, no, there's not a water. So he says, fill, fill the water pots with the water. This doesn't make any sense. Then. They bring the water pots with the water, and he didn't, the Bible doesn't say he said, abracadabra. He didn't say he said, he didn't say he prayed in tongues for six hours over it. They filled the water pot with water, he said, okay, now draw some out now and take it to the, take it to the governor. The Bible doesn't, doesn't say he did anything. It doesn't say he did a thing. Check your Bible. It doesn't show he did a thing. Just fill them up. And when they had done that, then he said, draw out some now and take it to the governor of the feast. 
They had to do that. Follow two instructions. And when they did that, I don't know, Joya, if the water became wine when they filled it up or when they brought it to him, when they drew it out, or when it got to the man's lips. Y'all missed that. I don't know when it happened. You don't know when it's going to happen. And you don't know how it's going to happen. All I know is it shall come to pass. That if you obey the voice of the Lord your God, he's going to turn things around. He's going to bring to the past what he said in your life. Just obey whatever he says unto you. Do it. Just write the letter. Make the call. Whatever he says. Do it. Now what is this call right here? Obedience. Y'all catch what I'm saying now? Those guys in John 2, they didn't turn the water to wine. They just obeyed. They did the natural. Okay, thank you, Holy Ghost. The men, the, the people come from the temple and find Jesus and Peter and say, Peter, doesn't your master pay taxes? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Let me go check. The Bible says he goes into the, into the house where Jesus is, and the Bible says Jesus prevented him. He says, stop, ho, ho, ho. I know what's going on. He said, listen, he goes to this whole theological lesson. Then he says, lest we offend them. He says, go down there to the, to the brook, to the river, to the, to the little creek, and cast in your hook. And the first fish you find, bring him up. You'll find a silver coin in his mouth. Pay the taxes for you and for me. Now notice he didn't say, Peter, watch this. He didn't say, Peter, go fast and pray. He didn't say, Peter, go, uh, go cook a, a cake. Peter was a fisherman. He said, Peter, go fish. Go do what you've always done. But I'm going to show you something great and mighty which you do not know. You've never seen anything like this. All the fish you've caught in your whole life, you've never caught a fish and had tax money come out. Somebody here, you owe the IRS and God may give you an instruction and say, go down and do what you've always done. But this time, open the mouth and you're going to find something in there because he's going to show you something you've never seen. You have to have enough uh, illogical mindset to just do whatever he tells you to do. Peter could catch fish. He could do that. Open his mouth. You can do that. Those guys could fill the water pots. Right? Naaman could dip in the, in the, in the, in, in the uh, river, in the Jordan River. You can do that. But the supernatural... God does something extraordinary. 
when you do the ordinary as instructed by God. I hope you got that today. I hope you got it today. When you do the ordinary as instructed by God, he's going to put his super on your natural. Y'all got it? Let's read one last place. Come on, Luke, I'm done. Psalm 32. Psalm 32. Let's read one last place. Eight and nine. Let's read it in the, in the New King James Version first. Psalm 32, verse eight and nine. I want you to see this here. Hallelujah. Let's try Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9. Hallelujah. I hope this blesses you. Has it blessed you so far? Y'all pulling my chain. Has it blessed y'all so far? Did anybody have a vision from God or visions? Still waiting on manifestation, on materialization for it? You're going to discern, right? You're going to go and let go of that, some of that stuff that's just, that's just good ideas. Y'all heard what I'm saying to you? Y'all hear me back in the back? Don't waste your faith energy on stuff that's not for you. That was just big ideas to get you thinking big ideas. It's not your call. Not, that's not for you to do. It's just to make you think big. Get you started in the right, in the right direction. Then I need you to be patient. Don't help God. Man, I wish y'all wake up. Don't help God. He doesn't need your help. You can't help God. If you can help God, it ain't that big anyway. <laughs> if you can help God, it's not heavenly. What it needs you to do is cooperate. Which means you got to be obedient. All right, now Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9. Let's read this, then we're done. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Eye is vision, right? Eye is vision, right? I will guide you with my vision. I will guide you with my vision. So vision is going to give you guidance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my vision. Verse 9, do not, remember we're talking about obedience here. Do not be like the horse. <laughs> I, I saw a joke in there. I, I'm not going to tell it, though. <laughs> or like the mule. I don't know what a mule says. <laughs> which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. He said, so don't, remember, I'm, he said, I'm instructing you and teaching you, so don't be like that. Okay? Stand to your feet. We're going to read this now in the Passion Translation. And I want you all to read it with me. Psalm 32, 8 and 9 in the Passion. This is good here. Hallelujah. When you see it, I want you to grab a hold of this. Because we're talking about manifesting heavenly vision. Okay, let's read it together. Ready, read. I hear the Lord saying. That's good right there, ain't it? That's good when you say, I hear the Lord saying. This is prophetic here. I hear the Lord saying, 
I will stay close to you, instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So, don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn. When I take you where you've not been before, don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. Man, that's better than y'all clapping on, boy. Do y'all see that? I'm going to stay close to you. I'm going to instruct you and guide you along the way for your life. I will advise you along the way. He's an advisor. We have financial advisors, academic advisors. He's going to advise us along the way and lead me forth with his eyes as my guide. His eyes as my guide. So the key is, the key is, don't make it difficult. Don't make it difficult. It's so hard out here. No, it's not. You're making it hard. You're making it hard because you're not following his guidance. You're not listening to his advice. Don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn. When I take you where you've not been before, when I take you where you've not been before, oh, Jesus. He's going to take you where you've not been before. How many of y'all like going to new places you've never been before? You like adventures. My wife is just she's like that. Boy, my, we, we go into a town, and she want to go around down every street, every side road, see everything. Every, did you see that? No, I'm driving. Did you see that? <laughs> We went on our way to that point. Yesterday we drove to some place. They had a sign on the side of the road that said, some kind of statue, Josephine's sculpture uh, garden is, we're going to drive there, there on the way to the airport. And we drove, and it looked like, like some out of the movie Get Out. And we were like, no. <laughs> so we got out. I said, we're not getting in this car, first of all. They're like, uh, oh, no. no. But she just like those adventures. You like want to go someplace you've never been before. And God's saying that I'm trying to take you somewhere you've never been before. You already been down poverty road. You already done sickness. You already done drama. Take you somewhere you've never been before. Now watch what he says here. Catch this, catch this, catch this. Mark, is you listening? Watch this. Don't make me tug you. That's my mom and daddy to say. <laughs> Don't make me drag you. <laughs> Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just come with me. Do you hear how simple God is making this for us? Just come with me. I got you. You're going to like it. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. Just come with me. So discern whether that's me or whether that's you. Be patient. Don't get ahead of me. Be obedient. Just do what I tell you to do. And when, when you get it, be urgent. 
I didn't teach that, but you got it. Be urgent. What does urgent mean? It means do it now. That means do it now. That means everything, hey, uh, I'll call you later. I got to handle this right now. This is an urgent matter. So when you get into that time, move with urgency. I didn't read this to you, but the Bible says in Acts 9, after Saul got his vision, it said immediately he began to preach. Immediately he began to preach. I mean, he just, just got baptized, just got filled with the Holy Ghost, and the Bible says immediately he began to preach. The Passion Translation says it this way, within hours. <laughs> yeah, within the hour he was in the synagogue. Within the hour? That's how you got to be. When it's time, you move. You got it? Now, Father, today I thank you for vision, heavenly vision. And I ask you today in this place to make heavenly vision clear to your people. That your people, Lord, we can see exactly and only what you reveal to us. God, we clear our minds, we clear our souls of all the clutter of our own ideas, our own visions, our own dreams, our own things we thought that would be nice to have, nice to do, nice to go, nice to be. And God, we, we, we clear ourselves so that we can focus in on what you have planned for us to do. Father, I'm asking you today that you would help us in, uh, in that discernment by the Holy Ghost, lead us and guide us. Help us in the area of patience to not get ahead of you. In fact, any place in our lives we have got ahead of you and we've begun to uh, manipulate or manufacture, we repent of that and return back to you and say, Lord, all right, all right, all right. Lord, you show us what to do. We'll wait on you. We'll wait patiently for, the, you, the, for you, the Lord our God. And we won't be jealous, won't be envious against those workers of iniquity who are working all their schemes and looks like they're prospering, looks like they're moving in certain ways, looks like they're doing certain things. We know that all that manufacturing will fail. So God, we keep our eyes on you. That's why you said in your word, fret not ourselves because of evildoers. No, do not be envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. They manufacture things. God, we ask you, Lord, to give us clear instructions, and we commit ourselves to you right now, that whatever you say unto us, we will do it. We will do it. We'll obey without hesitation, without delay, and furthermore, we'll do something else Paul said. Paul said he did not confer with the flesh. So when you give us instruction, Father, we'll not confer with the flesh. We'll not talk to other people and see what they think about what you said. When we hear you, we'll follow you. We'll submit to our elders. That's what Paul did. Paul went and eventually sat with the elders, the apostles, to run things by them. So God, we want to make sure we're in line. So God, lead us and guide us. And I thank you that this year will be the year of supernatural vision manifestation. Every vision, every dream that comes from you will manifest this year. We thank you for it. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. And we give you all the honor. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You look, put those hands together. Give God a great praise. We receive that word today.